Welcome to Random Rambling and Rhetoric with TJ Mercer. That's my TT. And it's all powered by the Samsung Notes. Now, here's my TT. I just loves me some porta potties, said no one ever. I don't know about you, but the ickiest thing on the planet is when I am forced to use a porta potty. I try to hold my bladder until the last possible minute. And what about nasty public restrooms? Ew, public restrooms plus kids. Parents, what do you do as soon as you take them to a public bathroom? You make them hold up their hands and forbid them to touch anything. Then you get in the stall, there's no toilet paper or seat cover, you handle your business, come out, and then there's no soap or paper towels. Lord, how much Jesus is just not a good situation all around. Fortunately though, fortunately, there's the restroom kit, a full bathroom solution the size of a lightweight deck of cards. A deck of cards, y'all. I keep one in my purse all the time just because it's complete with a full patented oversized toilet seat cover, enough toilet paper to cover the essentials, plus wet wipes for your tushy and your hands. The restroom kit is a don't leave home without a necessity for your road trips. You're going camping, the beach, festivals, basically any restroom that ain't yours. Even that friend of yours who's cleaning is not their strong suit. You know what I mean? So pop on over and visit therestroomkit.com. That's therestroomkit.com. And when you use the code RAMBLINGS, R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G-S, you will get 15% off your purchase. So stop going to the bathroom without the full protection you need. Go get the restroom kit at therestroomkit.com. Yes, sir. Hola, hola, hola. Hi, my people. Hi, my people. Hi, my people. Woo, I was trying my best not to let myself go in because I was listening to the words of speaking to the atmosphere and the tears are just right there, y'all. I ain't gonna lie. The, the tears are just right there because I'm watching God move. And... um it's got me in this place. Like I just, I'm crying all day because I'm watching things that he had told me. They're manifested in front of my very eyes. And so the tears are right there. And I'm, I'm taking myself back to where I was speaking it into the atmosphere, what he was telling me. And, and it wasn't looking like what I was speaking, but I had to keep speaking. And so I just had to keep speaking it until it started looking like what I was speaking. And so I'm having a moment and hopefully we're going to get through this because I feel like, oh, Lord, geez, I don't know what you're going to do today, but already I feel it bubbling up in me. Um, so let's... Uh, I want to make sure. Hey, everybody. Hey, Rochelle, Lashenda, uh, Tish, Melissa. Uh, who else I got? Who else I got? Nijas, Patrice. Let me open up my other device. So I, because I like to just know how bad the, the delay is so I can pace myself um, or at least know what y'all got going on on your end. Hold on. Hold on. Um, my phone is not charged. Come on. Hold on. I'm looking for my charger. 
It's over there. Hopefully it's enough juice to get us through. If not, it'll be all right. Um, okay. So let me get um, Facebook here. Okay, good. Because that was going to be my next question. Just thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank um, you. Add to story. Go live. Put here. Paste. Pen. Okay. We're ready to go. We ready to go. I'm TJ Mercer. I'm known as the walking explanation point uh, and the chief noise maker of Media Mavericks Academy, which means I teach authors, experts, coaches, and entrepreneurs how to rock their genius in the media. Hi, my Erica. Uh, hey, Deborah. Rock their meet their genius in the media and by booking themselves on outlets like ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox without a publicist and without being a celebrity. But in this season, in this season, I am called to essentially be your Moses. God specifically told me, go get my kids. They've been in Egypt for too long. You got to go get them. And I need you to let them hook their trains to your caboose. And so our, our anchor scripture for our season together uh, for the whole month of August is uh, Exodus 19.3. Then Moses went up to God and the Lord got, the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. And so if you are new, just know that we are anchoring ourselves on that part, those seven words. This is what you are to say. This is what you are to say, because essentially that is what God told me. I'm going to give you what to say air day. You got to trust me uh, that I'm going to show up and I'm going to tell you what to tell my kids every day, because in this season, I want to see some Peters rise up. So I know I've got some Peters up in the chat. I got some water walkers in the chat. Hey, mom, uh, I know I got some people who are coming out of Egypt into a whole new space and it hit me today that we are definitely in a season where God is moving mightily among his people and we are not going to go back being the same. We are not going to go back of how things used to be, what we used to do. And so um, we are moving forward and I was standing in the shower and it hit me like, yo, God, I got more time behind me. Uh, with I got more days behind me now than I have ahead of me because I was like, I gotta do a whole month. Left my company in the other room to entertain themselves. <laughs> you abandoned them, Lashonda? Where you gonna leave your people? Where you gonna leave your people? Um, but I'm like, yo, I, I, we're already over two weeks into this thing and y'all been riding with a sister. Y'all been like riding with me and they're right with me in the trenches watching hey my michelle shakitla um and just kind of watching for yourselves how god is is having me depend on him to show up every day for us and so this one is a little rough i think so just say a prayer for your girl because it was one of them things like okay i think i get it but god i'm just gonna trust you that it's gonna come out right and it's going to land correctly. Um, so this is, we we have kind of landed on this theme of Peter. You know, we've, we've landed on this thing of really looking at what God is doing for us in this season by really analyzing 
Peter. So just call her Kita. Oh, okay, got it. Um, and so I love that too. She said, come on, we're gonna keep riding this train. <laughs> um, uh, Laz, please forgive me. We have a lot of ground to cover tonight. So I don't wanna have, can you hold on to it either for me tomorrow? You, you're saying you wanna share your breakthrough. And we got a lot of ground to cover. So will you hold on to it for me tomorrow or at the worst case on Saturday? Please, 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 please. I want to hear, but I need to stay in this frame of mind while it's still fresh uh, because literally I was working on this up until 10 minutes ago. So um, I, you know, when we're looking at the aspect of Peter, when we're looking at the aspect of Peter, uh, and we're, we're now, I feel like God is going to have us turn the corner, but what he's been doing is laying the foundation of where Peter started, the journey Peter was on, and then ultimately we'll end up with where Peter landed. So tonight we're going to be taking a tour. We're going to be back and forth through the Old and the New Testament. We're going to be on tour. We're going to be moving quickly. We're going to be touring the scriptures. We're going to be moving quickly. I'm warning you now, it is a lot of scripture. I don't know why, but it is a lot of scripture that God has given us tonight as I walk this thing down for you. And it's my prayer that it, it becomes crystal clear because to be honest with you, I don't know why he's laying it out like this, but what I do know is at some point he's going to connect the dots for us. So if you've been on this journey with me since day one, and especially if you've committed to the whole 31 days, I just need you to trust that I trust <laughs> that God is going to make all of this connect uh, from what we're covering tonight. So we're going to be moving fast. So be alert, pay attention. Some of it is review. Some of it is going to be new. Um, and we're going we're gonna to do how we did the other night that instead of waiting to the end and giving you all the points together, tonight is crucial that I go point by point. All right. So I need y'all to just trust me that I trust. Look, I ain't saying trust that I'm going to connect the dots. I'm saying trust me that I trust God <laughs> to connect the dots for us all. Uh, Cause this, this, this was a kind of a different kind of day for me in my study of trying to figure out like, God, I don't really understand the point. And it came out of, it started with, I was with a friend yesterday and he was recording uh, a video and he talked about the three points of three things of how you figure out your purpose or something. And I guess it just stayed with me because today when I woke up, I kept hearing what was the destination? That was the question. What was the destination? So that's where I started. Once I figured out what that was, then I was on the toilet. I know TMI, but hey, you know what? I've been taking y'all on the journey. I need y'all to see the behind the scenes of how this thing is working. Like I really am. I, I typically don't talk to people all day. Really, like there are very few people and usually it's something related to this. Hey, my Jamila. And so I was on the toilet. When the phrase just hit me, what's the purpose? What's the purpose? What's the purpose? And then I was like, okay, God, okay, what, 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 what does that mean? What does that mean? 
And he was like, this is a season of we are pivoting into our purpose. And we've, we've on our, on our spill the tea days, we've heard me just talk about she's stepping in her, to her purpose. We've gotten out of the boat and the boat is the, the boat getting into the water is, is, is symbolizing we are pivoting into our purpose. And we, we listened to Audrey and, and Audrey said that she had downloaded, got it downloaded her an entire outline for her next book in, in 30 minutes. So we're all in this journey where we're, pivoting into our purpose. And so he wanted me to kind of map out what to expect as we pivot into purpose. All right. So y'all ready to eat? Y'all ready to eat? Erica said, that's when I get my best downloads on the toilet. I, yep. For me, it's the toilet or the shower, but or now in the closet, you know, for this season at least, but it was all toilet or the shower. Mm. Um, Lynette says, yes, I see this in my life right now. I'm pivoting. All right, so let's eat. Let's pull up to the table. Let's eat. Let's go to uh, John 142. John 142. And we're going to be in the New Living Translation. Yo, it looks like it is a long delay. Okay. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. We just right here, I just want to lay the foundation. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. So Peter is now getting who he is to be called. And I'm not sure if at the time, because Peter, from what I, I'm researching, Peter didn't know Greek. And so Peter, Simon didn't know Greek. And so Peter is a Greek name and uh, meaning Petros, I think, or something like that. Don't quote me. But this is the moment, his first encounter with Jesus and his first inkling of his purpose. Automatically, Jesus is changing his name and speaking to where he's going. Bounce over to Luke. And I think it's cool because a lot of this we've covered. So you're familiar with this. So you're not going to get jarred into Lord Jesus T. We all over scripture today. These are, these are reviews, but we're looking at just from a different perspective. One day is Jesus, Luke 5, uh, 5, 4 through 11. Okay. So when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master Simon replied, we're still talking about Peter. We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, that's what we got up. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And then this time their nets were so full, Lynn, of fish that they began to tear. Patrice, a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. Tish, for he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. And then uh, Keita, his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, 
you'll be fishing for people. So there's another clue. All this time, Peter been a fisherman. Jesus just whispered in his ear. Like, I'm sure if Simon was just like, I don't even know what that means, but yeah, I'm, I'm just going to roll with you. I don't really know what that means. I'm be fisher, fisherman of people. But he, it's, it's, it's a whisper now. Don't be afraid. For now on, from now on, you'll be fishing for people. He's speaking to his purpose. And as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Going into your purpose is going to require you to leave some stuff. It's going to require you to leave behind some relationships that are not mature enough to handle where you're going. It's going to require you to leave some careers that you've outgrown. You've gotten what you needed. But now God is moving you to a different place. So it's going to require you to leave behind. I had to leave behind a career that I love to really go into my purpose. Like right now I'm in part of my purpose. I know that my purpose is to always love on God's kids. That shows up in many different ways. It could be I'm loving on them when I'm on a set in Hollywood. And it could be I'm loving on them by doing a Facebook live with, with a bunch of tea lights. But it will always require you to leave some stuff behind. Hey, my dolly. And so you got into, you got to get into this frame of mind that I'm going to have to let some stuff go. It's going to require me to let some stuff go. If I'm really going to walk into my purpose. Matthew 16, 13 through 19. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? I want to know what y'all say because y'all, 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 y'all been rocking with me. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from a human being. Mm, 18. Jamila, now I say to you that you are Peter. He's reestablishing what Peter's purpose is, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Peter, start letting go of that fisherman life. You ain't got to walk away completely, but at some point, your purpose is going to outgrow you being a fisherman. At some point, you're going to have to let some stuff go that you've been. I know you, you are the best fisherman in the game. But I'm calling you to build my church. You, I, I'm giving you my legacy, Peter. I'm passing the torch on and, and me passing the torch is me passing the torch is you recognizing that you got the fish for, for my people, for my kids. 
And upon this rock, I will build my church. Upon you, Peter, I'm gonna build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Peter, I'm transferring power. I trust you. But in order for you to do this, you got to let some stuff go. So the rest of our time, I want to spend the rest of our time. I want to spend looking at the examples that Peter had. And looking at it from a frame of reference of, of a training and and the things that Peter was left with uh, understanding he about to step into his full purpose. Yeah, Patrice says, and let go of how I thought the story should go. Yeah, give your pen over to God. I promise you it's better. Because if anybody had ever told me that I wouldn't necessarily miss Hollywood on the level I was in, I've been like, yeah, whatever. I love telling stories. But this way, I'm, I'm telling stories and I'm really touching people and I can, I can feel it. You know, I've been a storyteller. Millions of people have watched my story. Tens of millions at this point have watched my stories when I was in TV. But this feels good of, of loving on people through how God is showing me the word. You ready? So now the lesson really does begin. But I needed you to have a good idea of where we were headed. So let's go to Matthew 8, 23 through 27. And start looking at some of the things that Peter was able to witness on how you walk out your purpose. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. If you've hit that share button, I so appreciate you. Uh, I always forget to acknowledge that, but it does not. I do not take it for granted that you guys think enough of what I'm teaching here that you want to share it with your peeps. Um, okay, so suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. His dad had created nature. So, and we've already discussed, and I've broken this down on the nth degree. So if you just picking up today, please go back. Hey, my Delmar, please go back and listen to how we've dissected this scripture so many ways. Um, but Jesus was sleeping because Jesus was tired. He had been healing a lot of folk and he was trying to catch a little nappy nap. 25, the disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? Do you know who I am? Yo, y'all got some little faith. Get your faith up. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves. Remember, I was just like, I don't understand why he rebuked them because they're doing what they do. But that's Jesus. You can, hey, you can stop at winding and waving however you want to. And suddenly there was a great calm. Jesus was present. He was in the boat. There's got to be calm. Jesus ain't dwelling in confusion and, and chaos. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man? They asked. Even the winds and waves obey him. So I don't want to make the point just yet. I need us to pop over to Matthew 14 and read something else. And then I'm going to give you the point of reading these two scriptures again. 14, 22 through 34. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there. Meanwhile, 
The disciples were in trouble. He's sitting there watching them. The disciples were in trouble far from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water with his Obama swag. He was walking on the water with his Obama swag. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. <laughs> Don't be afraid. No, no. He said, take courage. I'm here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. Walking on the water. Yes, come. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. Dude, you got so little faith. Why you, why you doubt me? Yes, Lashenda, you remember with, with his air sandals on. When they climbed back in the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Now, here's what hit me when I was processing and, and looking at both of these scriptures where Jesus calmed the storm. There's something missing in here. There was something missing. Anybody pick up something that was missing? Anybody pick up something? Not one time was there ever a thought to turn back. Not one time did we read they turn back. Even in the midst of the storm, wherever they were going, it had a purpose. And Jesus didn't let them turn back. It was rough and it was rocky. but he couldn't go back. Now I ain't saying that they didn't think about it, you know, like trying to weigh whether or not, yo, we closer, what side we closer on? All I know is when Jesus got into the situation and when they recognize that Jesus is in the situation, there's no turning back. So then that put my train of thought on, if they're not turning back, what the destination was had to be important. So for the first storm, I just stayed with the first storm. I was curious where they were going. What was the purpose? Remember I said it was, what's the destination? And so that made me go back and look at where were they headed in that first storm? So go over to, I wanna pick, pick this part of the journey up. I wanna pick it up at Mark 5, one through 20. Mark 5, one through 20. So we know we just finished Jesus calming the storm. 
We, we just finished that. And he got in the storm. And then at some point, we, I forget which, which gospel we read, but it said they were closer to the destination. And we talked about the storm still propelled them to where they were going. And they, it said it, they immediately reached the destination. So the next thing we see, they reached their destination. Five, uh, uh, Mark 5, 1 through 20. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of Gerson, that word, wherever they are. They know where they at. When people, when Jesus climbed out of the boat, so he had been awakened, had to calm the storm. He's still sleeping, remember? He's still like, I feel like Jesus, like, I, I'm just trying to catch a nap. When Jesus came out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit. And I think Matthew talks about two men. And that's why I'm saying, you know, they all reporting different aspects of the same thing. But doesn't change the point of the story. When Jesus came out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. Like, yo, this was his greeting party. Like, we just came out of a storm. I'm sleepy. And the, this is how, who going to greet me? Like, Really? It, is a, it said it came out to meet him like, hello. It, it was like, yo, not it was passing by and Jesus, they happened to see. It came out to meet him. And so that got me thinking like, mm, where is this headed? Is this the destination? Because we, we know Jesus knows everything. So what, what's the point? This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with the chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. So this man was tormented and had been. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, he peeped him, ran to meet him and bowed low before him. And with a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, like, Spirit has to bow down. He demanded. He doesn't say, well, Jesus just asked his name. He demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again not to send them in some distant place. So they got to, they got to, they got to get permission. <laughs> Y'all laughing at my voice. Like, that's what I imagine the spirits are saying. Like, they don't sound normal. I imagine that's how they sound. Um, what was I? You made me forget where I was, Tish. Okay, my name was Legion because there are many of us. Then the evil spirits begged him again not to send them to some distant place. So they didn't want to go. They knew where they didn't want to go. And so there happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into the pigs. So wherever they didn't want to go was worse than the pigs and it says the spirits begged let us enter them 
So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs and in the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs. Can y'all just imagine this? Plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. So could it be? Patrice said I should put some bass in the voice. Patrice, can you just go with the voice that I heard? You want me to talk like this? Um, could it be? That Jesus was so committed to his assignment he was so committed to his purpose for this one man who had been tormented and, and get the, get the juxtaposition of how it, it described early that he had, he snapped from the chains and no one was strong enough to subdue him do him. And he had been cutting himself to now, to now, He's just sitting there in peace. So could it, could, would you consider that they couldn't turn back because there was a purpose of why Jesus had to get to the other side of the lake? He had to for the sake of this man. So he couldn't, he couldn't turn his back on this man. And I'm believing that this is, Peter is watching this. So he's seeing the commitment to purpose. Cause no storm was going to let Jesus derail him getting to this man. to put him out of his misery. So the P of purpose, you got to press through the storms. Some of them are sent by God to grow you. You can't take off and turn back from the first sign of rain. Because if you're not walking in your purpose, Patrice, if you're not walking in your purpose, Lashenda, it's going to cost somebody. And if you're not willing to press through the storm, it's going to cost somebody. Let me see if I can make it even more practical and plain. So you guys have heard me tell the only the other only time that I've done lives every day for 30 days is when I did my make some noise challenge for media. And I went live every day for 30 days and it was smack dab in the middle. It was smack dab. Thank you, Jesus. Whew. It was smack dab in the middle of me losing my niece. And so I made an agreement with my noisemakers who were going to show up and walk this journey. Like I'm hurting Y'all going to have to give me grace. There's going to be times where I'm going to have to stop 
and I'm gonna have to collect myself. But if you're willing to bear with me through that, if you're willing to press through those storms with me, I'm gonna get us to the other side and I'm gonna do these 30 days because that's what I committed. That is my purpose for this season. Now, had I not done that, Lynn Hurdle Price wouldn't be here. I generated, I connected rather, some of my most diehard loyal people because I walked through, I pressed through that storm because I knew that storm on the other side, there was a purpose. Hey, my Shanice, Shanice was one of those. If I didn't press through my storm, Shanice Pruitt Cleckley would have been the first Maverick to book herself on ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox. She wouldn't have been, have had gotten the tools that she needed to find her voice and really own who she was. And had I not been in my purpose, had I not been willing to press through the storm to get to the other side, because I knew there were some people on the other side of my grief that needed me. So I had to press through that storm because there were people that God had assigned to me for that unique season that had I not, it would have infected, it would have impacted what they did next. So I couldn't let the grief stop me. I had to commit to the purpose. So you got to press through the storms to get to the purpose. Let's go to John. 144 through 46. Patrice says, I mean, Shanice says, I got out of my depression because of your obedience and pressing. <sighs> Y'all don't understand. This is a season where you've got to rise up because people are on the other side of this waiting for you to be equipped. Lynn says, yes, I was thinking about that time just this morning, Teej. I saw God so clearly through you. Lynn walked with me hand in hand through that. She was there when my coach gave me the assignment that I had to go live. All right, Philip was from Bethesda, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathaniel. This is the next point. Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Jesus was born in an area, and, and I'm going off of memory now because I forgot what I studied, but... It's about a town, about 1,500 people, and it was wild. It was wilderness. It, it was un, uncultured people to, to, is, is how it described it, and, and not very highly educated people. It was rough. And so that's why he's going, can anything good come from Nazareth? Pop over to John 4, 1 through 27. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. 
He had to go through Samaria on the way. Pick that up. He went through Samaria. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, but dude, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I will give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. Mm, pick that up. She switched her tone. She recognized that there was something special about Jesus. She was talking to him real, com uh, real um, uh, common like. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking for a drink? It was in Jesus' tone, I believe, on how he said it. He commands authority because you see in 11, she switches it. But sir. You don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? She's intrigued. And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? Last, how, how can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? So Del Mar, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Here she goes again. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. So she's coming at an unusual time because she's avoiding being seen because of the shame that she knows she's carrying. And so she's like, give me whatever I got to have to make sure I don't have to do this no more. And then watch the curveball. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. <sighs> really, this patriarchal society. Why I got to have a husband to just get the water? You offered the water. Why you just tell me I needed to have a husband to get the water? I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband for you have had one, two, three, four, five. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. So you sunless girl, you spoke the truth. But she still, she, she knew that she need, knew there needed to be some respect on his name because he just knew everything about her and she ain't told him nothing. And she looking like, well, do I look like a, you know, the word of the garden tool? Like, do I look like that? Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is, it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship while we Jews know all about him for salvation comes through the Jews, but the time is coming. Indeed, 
You're looking at him. It's here now when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. The father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ, when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. 27. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water, her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? You cannot convince me that Jesus didn't know that there was a purpose of him going through Samaria. You can't convince me that he didn't know. Let the disciples go because this woman I got a date with. I got a date in a in a in a platonic sense, but I got a I got a moment with this woman who she's already feeling shame. She's already been knowing she'd been in sin for so long. She don't know how she's coming out of it. So to bring her and roll up on her with 12 other dudes, that ain't gonna help. I got a purpose, and my purpose is to get her out of this mess, and I gotta approach her in a way that she knows. I'm the answer to her prayer. So I'm going to let the disciples go on and go. Because I got a purpose right here. He didn't have to stop. But he knew he had a had a, a purpose. He had to serve with this with this woman who he 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 had to show her what was possible for her because she was living with it for so long. So he had to come through. And show what time it was. So now pop over to Luke 8. 43 through 50. We may go over tonight, guys, but for some reason, I got a latest foundation. I don't know why. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. No, I need to go back. I need to lay the foundation. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. We got to go to 40. My bad. We got to go to 40. On the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. Then a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, get that, his only child, who was about 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus went with him, so imagine the joy and the glee that this man must have had that Jesus agreed to come heal his only child that was dying. And as Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds and a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. This was her life. This was her normal. This is what she had gotten accustomed to and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she just touched the fringe of his robe and immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. But our boy Peter, so we know Peter's here watching this. Peter's watching it. Our boy Peter said, Master, this the whole crowd is pressing up against you. How you gonna ask? You see all these peoples? But Jesus said, Someone 
deliberately touched me. Like, I, don't get it twisted. I know the difference. Somebody bumping into me, but somebody deliberately touched me. For I felt healing power go out for me. And when the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and, and fell to her knees in front of him. The crowd heard her explain why she touched him, that she had been immediately healed. So on the other half, can you uh, imagine what Jairus is thinking? Like, Jesus, come on. My, my daughter is dying. Come on. But Jesus had a purpose. He's like, no, 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 no. I got to stop and deal with this. I got to stop and deal with it. Because I got a woman who's so accustomed to believing that this is the rest of her life, that she'd been stuck here for so long that, that I, I got to deal with this. This is my purpose for right now, that she's she's been believing that this is going to be what the rest of her life looks like. And she's miserable. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And while he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and he told him, your daughter's dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But when Jesus heard what had happened, he said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith and she will be healed. So can you imagine you're on your way? The dude that has the answer that could save your child, he wants to stop and deal with some woman who wasn't even bold enough to come ask. Jairus is like, I was bold enough. You just gonna, you just gonna roll up and just get what you, and my daughter's gonna die. But Jesus knew that woman, she needed that moment. And that for that moment was his purpose. So the you, unbelieve, I know I made up work. Unbelieve some of the things you've been taught to believe. Even if those things come from yourself. We started out with nothing good comes out of Nazareth. And yet our savior comes out of Nazareth. So regardless of what people say, like, Nothing good comes out of into whatever projects you grew up in. Nothing ever comes out of good from people who got pregnant at 13. So for you to fulfill your purpose, you got to start unbelieving. That thing that's on replay in your mind of what's holding you back because nothing good comes out of it. And that tape recorder that you've been believing, nothing good is going to come out from you being divorced twice. Nothing, nothing good is going to come out of you and file bankruptcy twice. You got to start unbelieving that stuff because your purpose is tied to you switching your perspective. Go over to Matthew 26. Thirty-six through 
Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. His humanity had kicked in. His humanity had kicked in. And he was hurting. And he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Even Jesus needed his people. He couldn't rock, rock his purpose alone. So he called on his 12 and then he called on his three. Go to John 21, 15 through 17. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? More than these. Yeah, God. Peter replied, you know I love you. I got you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told them. Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? <sighs> yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. I told you I'm a rider. 17, a third time he asked. Simon, son of John, do you love me? At this point, Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything you know. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. And we've already discussed uh, this scripture in great detail of why Peter was hurt. But here's where Jesus is once again reiterating Peter's purpose. Remember we started with, he, he changed his name and then when he saw he had grown in faith because he identified the Messiah, he told him his purpose. You are to build my church. And now he's going even deeper. I need you to feed my kids, Peter. Because Jesus knew he couldn't carry out his legacy without his boys, without passing the torch. The mantle had to be passed. One of the first things Jesus did when he, he, he came into ministry is he, he went and got his crew, his gang of disciples. Because he knew the purpose was going to be tough and challenging. So there's no way he could do it by himself. So R, you got to resist the urge to be independent. Your purpose, Jamila, will require others. Audrey, Dana, Terrell, your purpose will require others, Miss Rochelle. And so Peter is watching this. He knows he been riding with Jesus. So when it's time for Peter to, arrive, to awaken the Peter inside of him, he got to resist that urge to be independent. And we talked about this earlier on an earlier day. Needy. Culture has decided that it's a bad word to be needy. I'm real good. I, I'm mad. That's one lesson I'm mastered. I need help. <laughs> I, I will tell people in a heartbeat. Because I know the vision God has given me and it's too grand, it's too huge. I know I can't cover it by myself. 
And we talked, was it yesterday I said that song by, uh, y'all told me it was Vicky Winans, long as I got King Jesus, long as I got King Jesus, long, long, long as I got, don't need nobody. That, mm -mm. no, no, I respect Miss Vicky, but no, 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 no. That contradicts even what Jesus did. Instead, I will replace that with Hezekiah Walker's, I need you to survive. I need you, you need me. We're all a part of God's body. Stand with me, agree with me. We're all a part of God's body. It is his will that every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive. That's what it looks like. To model Jesus. That's what it looks like. Luke 2. Forty-one Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And when Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth where nothing good comes out of. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. This is a big old festival. So it was a whole bunch of kids and it's safe. And that's just kind of what they do. So don't be calling social services on Joseph and Mary. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious leaders like he the big boy, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers, and his parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, what have you done? Why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. <laughs> like, I think Mary forgot. <laughs> He, Jesus, he, Mary maybe forgot the whole angel coming to visit her and telling him, or telling her she was going to conceive, you, you know. Uh, so I, why you do this? But why did you need to search? He asked. Didn't you know, don't you, like, didn't you know I must be in my father's house? And so my question today to myself was, when did Jesus know he was Jesus? Like, when did he know his call? Because even when he answered here, he had the presence of mind to know that this, this is his purpose. But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with, with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Hook into Jesus grew in wisdom. He's 12. He doesn't officially start his ministry until he's 30. So what's happening in those 18 years, he's growing in wisdom and stature his father was a carpenter, so more than likely he helped his father and he was developing skills. And in Nazareth, 
you can start seeing some of the elements of Nazareth is what ends up happening when Jesus starts talking in parables. He's talking from a familiar place because he's human and he's had human experiences. So he didn't just start his ministry out the gate. He had to walk through some things. He needed to know what we as humanity felt. So it was a journey. He had to walk through some things. Pop over to 1 Samuel 5, uh, 1 Samuel 16, 5 through 13. Yes. Uh, so no, four, I'm sorry. We started four. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, this is where Samuel is on his way to anoint David. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong? They asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. So Jesse is David's father. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab I think that's maybe his name. He know his name and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Hold up. But the Lord said to Samuel, wait, hold up. Yo, listen, that's how y'all end up with Saul. Y'all was judging by appearances. Don't judge by appearance or height for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son, Abinadab, to step forward, he know his name, to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one who the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shemia. But Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. 10, in the same way, all seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. And I'm wondering, Samuel's like, yo, this, uh, he ain't chosen none. God, did I miss you? Did, did, did I miss you? Then Samuel asks, are, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Je Jesse replied, but he out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Ain't no way you could be anointing him. He, he'll run. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down until, we will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was, he was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, that's it. That's the one. Anoint him. Can you imagine what I met in David? He'd been out there with the sheep and the goats and he dirty and stinky and God is still saying, yep, watch what I do with this one. Watch me, watch me work. So as David stood there among his brothers, <laughs> they like, yo, I what is happening here? <laughs> like David, Samuel took the flask of olive oil. He had brought and anointed David with the oil and the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. Now it didn't say that, it doesn't go on to say that David immediately moved to the palace and started bawling out of control. It's like, no, David had to go back to the sheep and the goats because there was more prep to happen. He had to go back. And then let's go over to 16, let's go down to 16, 20 through 37. Uh, no, that's wrong. That's not the right, hold on. No, I'm sorry. That's wrong. Not uh, first time to say, I don't know where I got that because there's no 30. Was there even a 37? No, see, I told you I was going to mess up. Go on over to um, 17, first Samuel 17. We're going to start at uh, 17. 
1770. How did I get first time to 16, 22, 37? Where did that come from? One day, Jesse said to David, so ain't nothing changed. David has been back. So there's a battle going on. Goliath is out there, you know, taunting everybody. David's brothers are out. His uh, David's brothers are out fighting in Saul's army. This is what is happening. And Goliath is like, Rah! you know, I that have the armies of Israel today to send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israel heard this, they were terrified. So everybody's scared of Goliath because Goliath is like eight. But let me let me go back because you need to know this. Um, he will go to four. First Samuel seventeen four. Pick this up. Go, Goliath was over nine feet tall. So we'll say nine feet. Size of a bear. Okay, that's how big Goliath was. So one day, 17. One day Jesse said, y'all with me, y'all? Y'all with me? I know we all over the place, but are you tracking with me? Let me just check in with y'all. Let me check in with y'all while I, I take some tea. Let me check y'all with me. Y'all still tracking with me? I warned you though that we're going to be on tour. All right, Yvette says she here. Okay. Is that it, Yvette? Everybody else, I lost them. I lost them. I just said she tracking. Okay. So where was I? Uh, one day, 17. Oh, I like that. Talena's like, we in this thing. One day, Jesse said to David, take this basket uh, of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give these 10 cuts of cheese to their captain. Uh, and give these 10 cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they're doing. David's brothers were, were with Saul and the Israelite army at the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd. So we know David had been anointed king, but he's still shepherding the sheep, okay? And set up early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Soon, the Israelite and Philistine army stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. And as soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? The men asked. He comes out every day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. And he will give that man one of his daughters for a wife. And the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. Say what? David asked the soldiers nearby. What will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed? Y'all are allowing this. He is allowed to defy the armies of the living God. And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that is the reward for killing him. But when David's older brother, Eli, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those? few sheep. He didn't even say, what about your sheep? He was like, your little few sheep. That's like, what about you? The little business you started. What's going on with that? What about that little job you got? What about those few sheep you supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. David, remember, he's a little brother. He's the runt. What have I done now? I 
He walked over to some others. He's like, you know what? Bye, boy, bye. He walked over to some others and asked him the same thing and received the same answer. Because David is like, yo, let, let, me make sure, let me make sure I understand this. So I get one of the king's daughters and then my whole family don't have to pay taxes? That sounded like a good deal. Then David's question was reported to King Saul and the king sent to him. Don't worry about the Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's been a war since his youth. Catch this, this is where we wanted to get to. We needed to get to 34, but David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I have done this for both, I've done this to both lions and bears and I'll do it to the pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the from this Philistine. Saul finally consented, all right, go ahead. What gave David this confidence? Remember I said Goliath was about nine feet tall and the height of an average bear of, of a American bear is nine feet. So this whole time, God had given David his purpose. He'd given us his purpose, but what he was doing when he sent him back, he was prepping him. So he could stand, he saw the height of Goliath and he's looking like, yo, I've been doing that. I've been fighting bears that are his height and I've been fighting lions. This ain't nothing to me because of P. When you're going through, you're going to your purpose, you've got a process that it is indeed a process. There will be seasons of preparation. We started with Jesus. It said that Jesus grew in wisdom. He didn't come out the womb being Jesus. It was an entire process that God had to take him through. David was out in those fields. He didn't, he wasn't realizing what he was doing and what, what the process was doing, but it was building his confidence because God knew the giant that was coming was going to be the size of the bears he had been fighting. So G that's why David could walk with such confidence. Like, dude, I've been doing this for however long, however, David, I've been doing this. I can do this in my sleep. So this ain't nothing. And you telling me, and I got an incentive now? Use I'm just trying to save my lamb. Now you telling me my whole family ain't gonna have to pay taxes and I'm gonna get ready to get a bomb wife and all I gotta do is fight something that I've been fighting my whole darn life? It's been a process. God has to prepare you for your purpose. He didn't just wake up knowing he could fight Goliath. God was preparing him for that without him knowing. 
It is a process. Genesis 3, 1 through 7. Genesis 3, 1 through 7. The serpent was the shrewdest of all wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit? Did God really say? Did God really say that? You must not eat the fruit from any of the trees of the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful. It had some red bottoms on and its, its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame as their nakedness, at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Did God really say that? That's how Satan works. He starts just making you question what you know God has told you. He starts twisting it. Did God really say that? Go over to Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. And for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, remember we talked about this yesterday. Uh, Jesus had just been baptized. The heavens opened up. Uh, the Holy Spirit came down like a dove and said with the voice, came from heaven and then said, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. So devil's coming to, did God really say that you his son? If he did, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city. And we, we dissect this yesterday, so I'm just moving through. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, well, if you are the son of God, just jump off. But the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, nah, the scriptures also say, dude, you must not test the Lord your God. So I ain't about that test in life. Eight, next, the, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan. Boy, bye. Satan told him, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God. And then the devil went away. And angels came and took care of Jesus. So every single time he kept coming back with, yeah, did God really say you the son, his son? So we're watching how Satan works. Last one for this point. Go over to Mark 3, 31 through 35. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with him. There was a crowd sitting around and someone said, your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. Jesus replied, who is my mother? Who are, who are my brothers? Then he looked around and said, look, at, look, these are my mothers and brothers. And anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. There's one other. I forgot something. So I want, I want you to look at this, too, because I need to make this point. Hold on. I got to go back to my notes and see. Um, Mark, uh, let me double check myself. Hold on before I give it to you. 
Oh, okay. So uh, scroll up to three and 20. One time Jesus entered a house and the crowds began to gather again. Soon he and disciples couldn't even find time to eat. 21 is where I want to make the point. When his family heard what was happening, his family heard what was happening. They tried to take him away. He's out of his mind. They can't believe something good came out of Nazareth. And so his own family is trying to convince him out of his purpose. And not because it, there's no ill intent. Remember I told you my sister and my cousin had an a intervention when it came to me selling my house and they, they meant well, but I knew what God had told me. And I knew they were coming from a place of love. So his family heard what was happening and they tried to take him away because they thought he was out of his mind. So the O, overcome Satan's whispers by consistently reminding yourself what God said. That's why Adam went wrong. I mean, um, Eve went wrong. She entertained Satan and, and she didn't just keep repeating herself. This is what God said. This is what God said. This is what God said. I got to hold on to my purpose because this is what God said. So we see it demonstrated through Jesus's temptation from the devil. He kept coming back with what God said in his word. Every time Satan would go. Yeah, but if you really are the son of God, like he that's how he saw he questioning that. So Jesus had to come back with, with what God said. And sometimes, not intentionally, I mean, we've talked about how subtle Satan really is. That he used his family. He used his family's concern to try to derail the purpose. And so Peter is watching this. Peter's observing and learning this, that Jesus didn't let nothing, not, a, not even his own fear, get in the way of his purpose. So you got to overcome Satan's whispers by consistently reminding yourself, but what did God tell me? What was God's promise to me? Go to John 4, 1 through 27. We're back to the, I'm not going to read it because we just read it. But I wanted, there, there was a point in here. So we know what has happened. He had to go through Samaria. He rested, he stopped. Okay, so that's that one. We don't have to reread that. Go to Luke 9. Fifty one through fifty six. As the time drew near for him to send to heaven, Jesus resolutely catch that. He resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Jerusalem. 
He was so into his purpose that nothing was going to stop him. But he knew he was going to die. He knew he was going to die. But yet he still pressed to get to Jerusalem to fulfill his purpose. In 52, he sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. Now, this is the same Jesus that at the Passover, remember, he knew he had sent Peter and, and John to go prepare the room for the Passover. So he knew. So Jesus ain't changed. So he had to know that they were going to reject him. So what, what was the reason? He was rolling with a couple of people. So I'm willing to bet the reason so they can see. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. And when James and John, that's who we rolling with, James and John was Peter's road dog. Remember, it's usually Peter, James, and John. But for whatever reason, Peter wasn't here. Or maybe Peter was and they just didn't mention it. But when James and John saw this, <laughs> I'm, this is to me showing why it was Peter, James, and John as Jesus' road dog. It was like, Jesus gets to be the lamb James and John and Peter get to be the lions and the tigers that's protecting. Because look at what they said. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? You overkill? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I bust out laughing when I read it. I'm like, yo, dude, you went nuclear. Like, you went from zero to 60. Like, you didn't even try to work it out. Like, Jesus, do you want me to go ahead of you? I'm like, and then what's so dope about it is that we get an insight into their personality and still Jesus selected them as his inner circle. That's what's so dope about this too. He knew they got these tempers. Peter is capable of cutting folks ear off. James and John is, it's like they as bouncers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you don't handle it, Jesus, but I will. Why don't we just burn the city down? They don't want to put some respect on your name. They don't know who you are. We'll just make it just burn. I was just like, yo, y'all, there was no, there was no, that's why you got your name, Sons of Thunder. We see now. That's why Jesus called y'all the sons of thunder, Berigenes, or how you pronounce it, I don't know. But it means sons of thunder. I see now, because y'all, you didn't even try to negotiate nothing. Just, we're going to burn them up. But Jesus turned and rebuked them like, yo, y'all, come on now. Haven't you learned anything with walking with me? So they went on to another village. As you're pursuing your purpose, you got to S. You got to survive the delays and the detours and not just survive them, but you got to do it with patience and accountability. You got to have people that, that recognize God still said what he said. Don't lose that T. He still said what he said. But this is just a detour. He's, he's taking you down a detour because he got other micro purposes, if you will, for you to do. While he's on the way to fulfilling your ultimate purpose. 
So you got to survive those. I understand it looks like this is a dead end street, but what you can't see from the perspective is as soon as you get to the brick wall at the dead end street, there's a little alley right there that's just big enough for you to go through. So I need you to, I need you to survive your, you looking at this wall like, yo, I hit another dead end. I just need you to keep walking because this delay is for a purpose. Jesus still going to get to Jerusalem. But this is a moment where he gets to tame his sons of thunder. Because you, you can't convince me Jesus didn't know that, that Samaria was going to reject him. So there had to be a purpose of why he took them this way. Because he knew that James and John had their own assignment. They rode with Peter. So they're going to talk and they're going to be like, yo, so Jesus, we, you do, Peter, can you believe that Samaria rejected our dude? And I was, I was gone. I was ready. I was, you know, I'm about that thunder life. I will burn some ish down. And so Jesus was like, yo, son, no, no, son, no, you can't do that. So he didn't let me, Peter. But what that taught me that I, that I, I got to work on my knee jerk reaction to things. Because that that could have cost. That could have cost me. That could have cost the whole reputation and the purpose that we're supposed to be here doing. So that that's what that's what I learned here, Peter. You know, that was good told to Peter. That's his boys. So yeah, you gotta wait well as you survive the delays and the detours, fully understand that the delays and the detours are still a part of the purpose. Still. And lastly, Mark 6, Thirty through thirty-two, we're familiar with this. The apostles returned to Jesus from the ministry tour. So where they they'd been, Jesus had sent them out. They had put in some work. So the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all that they had done and taught. They were proud. They had been in service to their purpose. And then Jesus said, "Well, let's go by ourselves to a quiet place." and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by a boat, they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. They put in the work. So the final letter of what it looks like to pivot into your purpose is you must be willing to energize yourself with rest. You gotta rest. This is a marathon. Your purpose is a marathon, not a sprint. A few weeks ago, God told me the two things I will spend the rest of my life building. And I have to recognize that I got, I'm going to have to rest at some time. You will need to rest and recharge and then I'm going to get back in the game. So it wouldn't surprise me. I've expended so much energy during the month of August that it wouldn't surprise me if y'all don't see me for the first two weeks of September because I know 
I got to rest. And I energize myself through rest. And the people who walk closely with me, they know I will hibernate. Claire will take over my social media and she'll just post what I tell, but I will hibernate because I know my, my purpose is it's a marathon. I will die being in my purpose. And I remember when my pastor taught me like, you will die with stuff unfinished because that means you're still working in your purpose. And so we must implement. We must implement the time to energize ourselves with rest. So that is how to pivot in your purpose. P, press through the storms. You. Unbelieve some of the things you've been taught to believe, even from yourself. R, resist the urge to be independent. Your purpose will require others. P, I need you to process that it is indeed a process. You're not going to wake up and just have arrived. Everything that you're going through now in this season, as I look back at my 25-year career, that's where my storytelling skills were honed. That's how I knew to take an audience on a journey. The things that we built in Bingo, it was because of my entrepreneurial part of my journey of building the systems and the things. So that's how all of that came together because it was a process. I didn't just wake up and become the bingo boss. Before I got to being the bingo boss, I was the TV editor. Then I was the, the author, the speaker. Then I was the chief noisemaker. Then I was the chief dream lighter, dream lighter before I got to the bingo boss. So it was, it was all a process. And then, oh, overcome Satan's whispers by consistently reminding yourself what God said about your purpose. Satan ain't gonna want you to get to your purpose. He gonna come with, did God really say you gonna write that book? Did God really say you gonna earn six figures in the middle of a pandemic? Did God really say that you supposed to, to do a TV show for and about HBCUs? Did God really say that you should go back to school with COVID? going on? Did God really say that you were going to be an attorney? Did God really say that your children's children's children will live off the wealth that you build in the next decade? Did God really say that? So you got to overcome that by constantly reminding you, yes, God said it. 
And then write it down. He said it on November 12th of 1995 that this would happen. I know it's 20 years later, but then let me look at what I've accomplished, what I've done in these 20 years that is still moving me to my purpose. Because remember, when I pressed through the storm, the storm even pushed me closer to my destination. So yes, he said it and he said it. So that means I believe it and that settles it. Bye. We're done talking about this. S, survive the delays and the detours, but just not survive them. You got to survive them with patience and you need accountability around you. You need your peoples to remind you what God said. And then E, energize yourself with rest. You're going to need to rest and recharge. Tap out. And then get back in the game. Let's pray. For Father God, I really hope this landed. I did my best. I did my best not even really understanding how this is going, how you're going to connect it, how you want it to connect but I trust God that you showed up through me and that my tea lights, they got something out of it. I thank you, Lord, that they trust you so they trust me. And they trust you in me that I would never purposefully lead them down the wrong path. So I pray, Lord, as we covered a lot of scriptures and a lot of scenarios that they hung on to that nugget that you specifically had me go over just for Delmar, just for Terrell, just for Dana, just for Jamila, just for Lashinda, just for Mama. Like, you don't have to be all of them. But as long as the ones that Lynn needed, Latish, Tish needed, and Patrice needed, Kita needed. Just as long as it landed for them. My job is done. So I pray, Lord, that you're pleased with how I handled your word of what you gave to me to give to them. So my prayer, Lord, is that as this marinates tonight for Yvette, as she's lying in bed and She's thinking of this and Melissa is thinking back through all of this. I pray, Lord, that it just lands how it's supposed to land. Then when Audrey is doing her process of writing it out or sketching it out, that she starts to see dots connect that I couldn't even see. And Nee just goes to bed and, and think about, mm, okay, I get it now, God. And that light bulbs go off for Tawana. And that the dark places become light for Dolly. I thank you, Lord God, that your word will land as you want it to land. 
Thanks you for letting them hang in there with me. We're going longer than normal on the teaching nights. So thank you for giving them the grace and the patience to hang in there with me. In Jesus name. Amen. All right, peeps. My tea lights will count it down. Um, Y'all good before we count it down. Y'all good. I know it was a lot. But I hope I did present it in a way that it's making sense. And that the foundation is laid for wherever God has taken us. So let me know if you're good. Let me know if you're good. All right, in 10, nine, and homework over the next two weeks. I forgot about this. Homework over the next two weeks, y'all. For those of you who are willing, can you send me, I don't know why I'm asking for this. I'm just gonna be honest with you. He hadn't told me, but this is what came to me that can I have three to five personality traits of Peter that resonate with you as we've studied Peter intensely for these last two weeks. Like we know he, I I don't want the common ones that we've talked about. We know he was impetuous. We know he had knee jerk reactions, but if there's something deeper, will you commit to shooting an email to hi there at mediamavericks.tv? Um, and I don't know. I, I don't know why God wants me for that. I don't know what he's going to do with that or anything. But can you please, as you look at what Peter has meant to you through this season of us studying? Will you email that to me? Deborah says, just know I'm using, they had to stay in the storm because of purpose. <laughs> that will preach. Hopefully it did tonight. <laughs> Thanks, Deborah. Um, I don't know where I was. Six. Drew and another classmate that didn't recognize you. Who, Lashenda? If you don't want to say their name, inbox me. Who? Um, five. Thank you, Terrell, for posting the um, the um email it for me. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I'm drained because it, it's really resting on me. Like, God, I don't know what you're doing or how you're going to connect that. I just pray that it landed. Uh, four. Three. Two. Like, he's given me several subjects. And it's like, and it's it's interesting. He's, you know, making all of this list, these lists. And I'm just like, I don't know how, what you doing with this, when you want me to teach it. But it's like, he's having me read stuff. And he's like, but that's not for now. Put, make a list over here. I'll tell you what to do with that later. So it's just really interesting. Um, one, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Mwah. Love y'all. Thanks for rolling with a sister. Tomorrow is day 18. All right. Bye. Well, that's it. Hopefully you enjoy what my TT shared with you. And like she always says, let's go out and make God smile. And don't forget to hug somebody. It's T2 Mercer signing off now. See y'all later.